Hello, welcome to Impact the World. My guest today is Victor Odo. You may have seen Victor's videos out there on YouTube. He has been putting work out there for about six or seven years now, and he is very specific about awakening symptoms, the kinds of physical, emotional, psychological symptoms that we might go through as we navigate our awakening process. And, you know, awakening is something that's constantly moving through us, constantly evolving. But I've always admired the dedication that Victor has had to posting many videos that really cover the awakening process from all angles. So it was lovely to get to talk to him and meet him for the first time for today's show and to learn a little bit more about what motivated Victor to start putting his work out into the world and how much of it came from his own experience with a difficult awakening that happened to him in 2009 that left him reeling for a few years. So you can learn more about Victor at awakeninghelp.com where you can find all of his work. And uh, if you are a fan of this show, it really supports us as an independent podcast. If you subscribe on YouTube, leave a rating or a review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen that helps us reach more people. So thank you for doing that if you take the time to do that. Uh, but for today, enjoy this conversation with Victor Odo. Victor, welcome to Impact the World. And it is, it's lovely to have you here. I, I was just telling you before we got started, this is the first time that we've met, even though it's virtual. But I think I first saw one of your videos maybe five years ago. And um, in the videos of yours that I've seen over the years, I'm always really impressed and, and I really respect your dedication to what you're doing, the energy you bring. And you've been very, very specific about your mission, which is helping people with awakening symptoms, which we really need now. So, so thanks for being here today to chat about it. You're very welcome, Lee. It really is a pleasure and an honor, not only just to meet you, but to be invited on your podcast and Hopefully I'll have something nice to say. <laughs> I'm sure you will, because you you have so many different angles from which you've been helping people. So I guess the first thing for us to talk about, you have a, you know, you have a very big presence on YouTube. You have various programs and retreats and ways that you have helped people over the years. But perhaps we could talk about your own awakening, which you had spontaneously in 2009 and, and, and what that was like for you and, and, and what was happening in your life at that time. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to, Lee. Yeah, so at that time in my life, I found myself with this internal desire to like break through. I had this I like knowing that kind of came out of nowhere that there is more to life than meets the eye. So I started seeking and reading a lot of books by like, all this Huxley and all these like old school, like from the sixties, those kind of, those kind of folks talking about expanding your mind and whatnot. And I had stumbled upon something that referenced the, the, the notion of opening your third eye. So there's this one night I was sitting in my room, uh, meditating on a, on a kind of a hefty dose of magic mushrooms, actually trying to open my third eye. And what happened was I had a, what people call a spontaneous Kundalini awakening, uh, this huge, what felt like a softball size ball of energy started to make its way up my spine. And I was just kind of flowing with it. I was listening to music and I felt this energy coming up and I was on the mushrooms and it got to my forehead and then it just exploded into a white light. And then I had this whole interesting sort of mystical thing 
But the next day I'm like, okay, you know, you were just on mushrooms. It was just a wild trip, you know, but what started to happen is that same energy started to come back and sort of rush through my spine and out of my head normally you know, like throughout the day, you know, while sober. And that happened for a span of years. So that was in my, what I suspect to be kind of like the catalyst that, that sprung me into like an awakening process. Well, it's interesting you were that uh, connected to it in your body, because I know that you had come from a background with fitness and the body. So you'd always had this deep sensitivity with your physicality, from what I understand. Mm, Yes, yes. Yeah, I was a personal trainer for a lot of my life. And yeah, I've always been very much in touch with my body. Yeah. And I know that one of the things that I really appreciate is that you have, as part of your work, you have, is it called the Ascension Body Program? Yeah, that's one of my courses. Yeah, it's like a fitness program um, for empathic people. So I find a lot of empathic people, they get burnt out very easily doing conventional exercise. But to do some exercise, the right kind, in my opinion, can be very beneficial for them, um, helping them not only get fit, but also help them not be so symptomatic, not, not so sensitive to all the energies where they feel more like present and strong, regardless of what's inputs surrounding them. Yeah. And I can relate to that. Like four years ago, I really upped the physical exercise in my life in a, in a, in a big way. And it it definitely helps me. And, you know, with my guides, they said that, uh, your sensitivity needs strength, you know, whatever that Mm. means for you or whatever that looks like for some people, it's just taking a walk every day as, as their Mm. starting point. And for other people, it might mean weights, but it is interesting that the sensitivity needs that, physical support and in reading about you and what you went through in 2009 i was struck by how you you said that for quite a few years then after your awakening you went through a lot of symptoms that you said were quite difficult to navigate and understand could you share some of that with us yeah i look back and it it seems as if i almost forced my awakening upon myself kind of abruptly with intensity and i kind of got what i bargained what what i asked for And some of the symptoms included, as I mentioned, the energy, I I kind of like glossed over that, but it was to the point where I would have to lay down because the energy coming through my body was so powerful. It really felt like my body was not able to take it at times. And it caused a lot of like what I think was chakra pressure, like blockages, especially in my crown and third eye um, that felt like sinus pressure, but it was so pounding. You could say that I couldn't even think straight. I couldn't even read for a while because reading would bring more energy up into my head. It was like, I just had too much psychic energy flowing through my body that had nowhere to go, nothing but my own traumas to kind of bump into. And I just was kind of a mess, very unbalanced for a few years there. So how did you start to find your way through it or out of it or? I I think one of the reasons why I feel called to share on YouTube is because I didn't really do a good job at all navigating it. I, I didn't really know what to do with myself. It was years until I found even out what I was, what was going on with me. Um, so I didn't really know. I just sort of listened to my symptoms and did avoided things that provoked them. I didn't really have any strategy whatsoever. I just sort of did it, did winged it and did my best, honestly. But from all that, I realized it could have been a lot easier had I had someone to say, Hey, Vic, just do this. Um, so that's kind of why I am on YouTube now to, to, uh, help other people. Yeah. And I think I saw possibly some of your earliest videos. And at the time I remember you were also doing, um, yoga practices and leading people through yoga practices on, on some, on a few, few of your videos, you were sharing some of your 
um, some of your ways of balancing yourself. What was it like to just the practical side of putting a video out on YouTube? You know, was it just something you felt very clear about and you were like, I'm going to do this? Or did you have reservations? Was there a learning curve? Because a lot of people are beginning to share what it is they can with the world. So I know it's, this is something that a lot of people ask. Yeah, I had a strong, not only desire, I, I found myself seeing people like you and other people out there. And to me, it seemed like a really, really attractive lifestyle to have the freedom to express yourself and help people. And I'd read the comments and see, wow, people are really, and I was gaining value from the videos as well. But there was also parallel to that was like a calling. I had this strong, like knowing I should do it, but I had a lot of reservations. I had, one of them was, I didn't even know what to share about. I was like, okay, well, I have all these topics I like, all these hobbies and interests, but where do I start? So I was in my mind a lot, very confused, not to mention the emotional nervousness I felt every time I'd pop on that camera. So it was, a, there was a, I could go in depth, but there was a lot of reservation to put it lightly, um, me actually stepping into my calling in a sense. So I think it's very common for people to, to know they should do it but feel those reservations. Yeah, a couple of things you just said that I really love. There was a moment with you, and I didn't see all your videos, but I definitely would see at least a few a year for a couple of years or a few years. And then there was this moment where it was like you're, you, you really locked in on what you were doing. And I'm only remembering this now because I'm remembering some of your first videos where you had, uh, you know, you were sharing some of your practices and some of the things that you did, but there came this moment where you you locked in and you were like, I am helping people with awakening symptoms. And you would introduce your videos that way. And, and, and it got very clear that some level of direction had happened for you. But what I love about that is I believe for many people who stop themselves, they think they've got to be at that point before they start. But what you're mm. reminding all of us is, no, you just start and you, you know, you get in the pool and you start swimming and eventually you can swim a few laps and eventually you develop a style. And, you know, those, those things can all come because I, I definitely remember that with you too. I, um, again, not seeing all of your content, but just seeing you out there over a period of time, there, there was this moment when everything seemed to get very clear and focused for you. Yeah. Yeah. And as you said, it took a lot of people will reach out to me nowadays asking like, how can I get on YouTube? Where, where do I start? And I always say, just start and, and, and allow yourself to be very imperfect and to experiment because I had five YouTube channels at one point, five of them. And it was through like an intense uh, period of experimentation. And only through that, that I was able to realize that, oh, when I talk about spiritual awakening stuff, not only is there more of a response, but I also feel more connected to my authenticity at that time. But there, I, looking back, I think it would have been impossible for me to have that clarity um, without just trying my best for quite some time. I love that. And I, I can relate to that, you know, for me too. It's, you know, I started, I was uncertain, but it's funny you mentioned the five channels because I think I remember that. And I think part of the reason I found you when I did years ago was I was looking for more physical practices. I was looking for someone who could help align body and spirit. Um, so, so I'm curious for you, when you were doing your fitness work, which is also coaching and also helping guide and facilitate people with their body. 
were you very intuitive with that, even if you weren't aware that you were intuitive? Like, do you look back now and and see the kind of path that was always always in you as a soul? Yeah, I I was pretty intuitive with it. Um, and what there came a point where I realized that me helping people achieve fitness goals was so dependent upon people transforming their themselves on an internal level that I realized like I needed to kind of go beyond that. But yeah, no, the whole time I was very in pretty much in pretty much honestly in tune with the client and would modify things based on. Yeah. I would say it was intuitive most of the time, long story short. Hmm. And, and it's interesting you talking about the having multiple channels and kind of experimenting and figuring it out. We, I asked you about, um, uh, your writing, because I know a little while ago you shared, you were working on a book and, you know, before we started this conversation, I said, Oh, you know, how's that going? And you said, actually, I've realized it's not the time. I really like that approach that you have, which it seems that you are an an innate experimenter. You are someone who likes to try things. And were you like that as a kid too? Or is that something that has freed up in you more, the more you've awakened? Or or is that just part of your wiring? It's funny because my wiring is actually like insistent on certainty and clarity, but I go against that. Luckily, the intuitive part of me just is what fuels my actions the mostly. Um, but no, but I've also learned what I'm trying to learn now, honestly, in my life is that I'm realizing that no, there is no end. You know, I was, I was a trainer then I was a YouTube guy. Then I thought I'd be a writer and now I'm doing this. There's like, really, it's always evolving, always in, in, in flux. And I like what Bashar said, you know, you know, Bashar, yeah. he says, yeah, he says, you know, follow your intuition, follow your passion for the sake of doing it because it feels good to do regardless of where it might end up. So I find that even if you go down what seems to be like a, a tangent, a waste of time, it's if you're in that creative sort of inspired flow, then so what? Because that feels good anyway. And eventually, you know, enough, enough pressure, enough time. There are, there are bouts of clarity, bouts of where you can say, Oh, he's found his thing, but that's, that's always fleeting anyway. Then it starts to change again. Yeah. And it's funny because, you know, channeling is something I've done for 23 years now. And uh, one of the greatest gifts that I think channeling gave me is, is it helped me realize that there, there is no end. <laughs> there is, you know, you ask a few questions and it will just lead to 12 more questions. And, you know, <laughs> so it really is about bringing us back to being as present and as conscious as we can be. Yes. I'm curious for the for you for the last two years, because we've gone through a very particular couple of years on on planet Earth. We're currently we're recording this in in March of 2022. And it's literally we're recording it almost to the day that we went into a lockdown here in the US. I know it was slightly different timing around the world, but it was fairly consistent. How have you noticed uh, the change in people's consciousness? trauma, mental health. I mean, take your pick, but this last two years for me have felt very particular with the energy field of the world and what we're thinking, what we're feeling. I'm wondering how that has shown up for you. Yeah. For me personally, it's like, for example, I remember the day the world shut down, I was going to launch like a really big retreat, the biggest one I've ever done. And I was putting all my financial marbles in that particular retreat. So like a lot of people I, I had I went through a, a phase of like, 
oh man, what am I going to do? I felt lost, but I know I luckily I've learned that during those times, it's a chance to really think outside of the box and there's going to be some kind of benefit, even if I don't see it. So then I started to kind of do online coaching and that was like really, really worked out. So I think what's happening to use as a metaphor is it's giving people, it's shaking people up. And even though it's extremely uncomfortable, there's inherent the opportunity to really reevaluate yourself, your life, where you want to go. And I think some people are taking that opportunity and living a life that's more, more free and more authentic. Other people, as you see, are kind of just sort of consumed by all the fear and the drama, unfortunately. But I think a lot of people are, yeah, I think a lot of people are waking up from that. And I see, I see that event similar to like you or I or any person going through other, another life, a personal life challenge as a catalyst for to become more conscious. I think that's a, a planetary kind of version of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one thing, this is kind of just going back a few questions, I guess, but one thing you mentioned was Bashar. And I think I've heard you talk about your love of Bashar before. How has channeling played out in your own experience? You know, have, have you had, have you been, obviously you're having your own channeling experiences through some of the experiences you're having, but I'm wondering if you have ever had your own more direct channeling like that or whether it's your higher self or I'm just wondering if that has shown up for you. It does. I feel that my videos are channeled, even though there's not a real discernible source. If I had to guess, I feel like it's just like my, the, my soul, my higher self that somehow was able to kind of come through more boldly on, in a particular setting with the videos. Um, and I feel like a lot of people channel and don't know it. I think when you're really in your flow and that like, that like the genius that we all have within ourselves sometimes makes its way out, whether we're painting or writing or speaking or whatever. And I, I feel like that's, I, that's like how I look at channeling um, in a sense, but there are of course other forms where there's an awareness that there's, you're taking advantage of another consciousness and you're allowing them to come through. But for me, it's just more kind of natural in a sense, mm -hmm. not too formal. Nice. And I'm, I'm, I'm conscious you have kids. So you're a, you're a father of three. Yes. How is it for them having conscious parents? Because I think many of us didn't have parents who necessarily came from conscious awareness, um, partly the generation and partly just the, the way that the world has so far been allowed to explore consciousness or not. Mm. So I'm, I'm wondering what it's like to, to parent from that vantage point and if you notice the effect that has on your kids. Yeah, it's funny because for a while... I, in a sense, resented my spiritual awakening because it made me so unbalanced. And my, my kids, unfortunately, they would see that. They would see me in my crazy times. They, they see you at all times. You know, they're always there. Um, and I felt like, man, I really might have messed them up a little bit. But having come on the other side of it and, and just seeing the way I, me and my wife have sort of taken our life, I see that it's been, I, I think it's been a blessing for them because we're more self-aware so we can, be, be better parents. We can, we can tell when they're feeling self-conscious or like the little subtle thing, like the little mini traumas kids have for the most part, we can recognize pretty easily and then sort of offset that. We know what to say, when to build them up or when to, it just, I feel like becoming more conscious just makes us much better parents. And then consequently they're for the most part, they're confident. They believe in themselves. They're authentic. They're happy got, you know, knock on wood, everything's good. So I think in the end, it's been a, 
almost like I can't even put words on how much of a, an advantage or a blessing it's been um, being a parent, even though I'm going through this kind of like, you know, process of randomness and constant healing. But it's lovely that you and your wife can have that grounding in, in, in what's actually going on. Because as we know, kids, it tends to be that usually, I mean, it depends who you speak to, but between the ages of five and seven, we start to socialize. And that's when we can start to really um, shut down on our own soul, our own gifts, our own essence, and start to modify in order to connect with the group and be part of rather than othered. So it's great that you guys are there to kind of, you know, wrap over them in that way and notice those things that perhaps someone else might not notice or be privy to. And you and your wife have always been a team in that way. Or when you were going through your awakening, had she already gone through hers or did she follow? You know, I'm curious how that played out in your relationship too. Yeah, it's always been very nice to have Patty, my wife, because there are times when I was really you know, going through like a dark night of the soul, if you will, she would just so happen to be cool, collected, calm. And we've, we kind of seem to seem to take turns who's going to go off and heal for a while. And the other one holds down the fort. And right now I'm doing that for her. She's been going very deep into her plant medicine and her own coming into her own purpose. She's, she's kind of going into her deeper healing now. And, and I'm just finding myself in kind of a good balanced place. So it's, uh, it's been lovely to, to have her. We've really helped each other quite a bit. And also for the benefit of the kids. So at least one, one parent's like, okay. That's beautiful. It's funny because, you know, my husband, Stephen and I, it's similar. You know, we'll, we'll you, you kind of, yeah, you, you hold the balance point for the other one when the other one is going through something or that's, that's, a, that's a lovely kind of um, balance basically in the it relationship. Is, yeah. 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 So one thing you just mentioned the plant medicine journey, how I've had lots of conversations with people lately in my personal life and also some guests on the show. The conversation around plant medicine is, is growing bigger on the planet. So whether people are talking about microdosing mushrooms or whether people are talking about ayahuasca or other forms of plant medicines, it's beginning to become a little more recognized, especially as a therapeutic tool. So I'm curious how for anyone who's listening or watching and has heard of plant medicine as a tool, but is perhaps either skeptical or because of the stigma around what we all grew up with, you know, the, the stigma around drugs, quote unquote, I think sometimes there is a hesitation. Um, is there any, any, how would you explain it to someone who is curious about plant medicine as a healing tool or an opening or awakening tool but is a little concerned about it or skeptical. I'm curious if there's anything you would, you would offer. Okay. Yes. Yes. So firstly, I'm a believer that when the student is ready, the teacher will appear and the teacher can be, at least in my opinion and experience, a, a plant teacher, whether it be ayahuasca or mushrooms. Um, and I also think there's a little bit of skepticism is healthy because in my experience, they're very powerful and they're, they're not for everybody. They're not like a cure-all fix-all um, and they, I think that you can have a really, they're extremely helpful for tr transforming you, but I think they also do need to be treated with a sense of reverence and respect. Um, so I would never push anyone to do it, but I would say, if you feel that call within yourself, then I would listen to it. I would listen to it. 
Yeah, I've heard lots of people, I've heard lots of people speak very differently about it, but the ones that seem to really benefit from the use of plant medicine, they have a very conscious uh, way of approaching it. And more importantly, they have a very conscious way of leaving it. So they have the ayahuasca experience, and then they spend some time integrating what they learned rather than going back for another dose, which is a whole other that's a whole other arm of arm of the world that I've seen, but it does seem like people can use it as a real um, shine a flashlight tool, especially if they're able to go in with that kind of awareness and 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 have the right way of holding themselves when they come out of it as well, so that they can really integrate it into their life and their their patterns. Yes, yes, I feel like it's like any other modality that can give you the ability to bypass your, the limitation of your logical mind and see what's really going on inside and, and have healing and transformation. But like you said, because it is such a powerful, you know, three or four hour experience, I think it's, it's not so much like what insights you had, or you, know, you saw Archangel Michael and Gray gave you a message. It's like, how are you really grounding that into your life? And it does, that does take work. That's the integration part. And I think that's, just as important, if not the most important part of the whole, you know, ceremony, if you will, is, is really, yeah, grounding in the lessons and embodying the, the healing and it can, it can take some time as well. So yeah, that's a very, I'm glad you brought that up. Honestly, it's a very important part of it because a lot of people do just chase these spiritual highs one after the other, after the other. And meanwhile, their life isn't really changing. They're still, you know, treating people the same. They're still caught in the same patterns and relationships. So it's like, you got to really work it for it to work for you. Yeah. And that really mirrors what I used to see in the self-growth, self-development world as well. It's like it, it wasn't plant medicine, but it might be another workshop, another private session, another book. But it, the, the change wasn't necessarily integrating. It was more a dose of an, I don't want to say an escape, but a controlled expansion that you left at the workshop or that you only attributed to the healer who facilitated the session. You weren't looking to ask yourself afterwards, okay, well, how do I start to reclaim this? Which quite honestly is, is much harder. It's a, uh, it's a lot less yeah. fun than having yeah. the high experience. You know, it, it really involves us looking at our shadows and our patterns. So I, I understand why it's less desirable for people. Um, and then, of course, and you mentioned this earlier, trauma, you know, the trauma that we're carrying that we start to have opportunities to release as we start to heal and expand. But that that's quite delicate work sometimes. It it very much is delicate work. And, and kind of going back to what you were saying, I've done that. I've been the, the person to to do too much ayahuasca and to, to, to chase those spiritual breakthroughs um, and because it is exhilarating, especially if you're if it's like the first time you're realizing there is more to life and you're able to find a way to actually experience it, it's so, it's so interesting. And so just so, uh, it's so beautiful, but there, like anything in life there, you know, too much of a good thing can be a bad thing. And I found myself drinking ayahuasca too frequently. And I found that I had unleashed too much of my trauma at one time. And I just, I was fine, but I was just very, it is a delicate process to, to really unearth some of this stuff. Um, and it took me a little while there to kind of ground in and balance out. And now I have much more of a, much more of a balanced approach to, to all of that stuff personally. 
I relate to everything you just said. I also remember it in the early years, like say 20 years ago, when I was first really going off to lots of healing workshops, I wanted to drag everybody there. <laughs> you know, I was like, yeah. mom, dad, can't, you know, and they were like, oh, you know, and, 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 and I had to also learn, you know, because I was also on that kind of, oh, this is amazing. This is, but yeah, you, it, it takes a minute to settle into the body and to, yeah. to kind of get your balance with it. Yeah. And some people, they're just not ready to face their childhood traumas and so forth. And having gone through some of them myself, I totally understand and respect that, you know? Me too. Yeah, completely. It's interesting. I was once talking to someone who was, uh, and this is going back like 15 years, she was a healer. And I think she'd come to me for a private session. Yes. And she, she was annoyed that her client hadn't had more of a breakthrough. And I was, I said, no, 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 it, it doesn't work like that. Some, the, 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 the client is, in charge of the dial and you might need to be their breakthrough or you might need to be their step toward a breakthrough. You know, you're, you're in service to their path. So it's not, it's not anything you ever want to force anybody into because we don't know what they're living in or, or how they can sustain or support themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, just to go back a little bit, Victor, because I know that we were talking about you in 2009 and some of the empathic symptoms that you were having. And I've read, you know, I've read on your website, you talk about um, you were having, you, you were just feeling very impacted by certain people, certain places, shopping malls. Mm. A lot of the people who I work with and know, and I also identify this with my, myself, understanding our particular empathy and how it works because we're all slightly different in the way that our empathy shows up but especially how to balance it and how to live with it is is for many of us a kind of ever-evolving process were you familiar with the term empath when all of this was happening to you or, or did you have to go and educate yourself to understand how empathic you were because of all these symptoms yeah it was later later on in my journey that I came across the term empath, but, but once I did, I was like, yeah, that's definitely relatable. And I, I, I can, I feel, um, you know, I relate with all the things you said as well, just being very sensitive to everything, very sensitive to the input, the data in your life. It can seem like overwhelming on the mind and on the body, just normal everyday occurrences. And uh, yeah, it's been a whole journey for me to really learn to not shut that down, which a lot of people do, but learn to have a balanced, integrated way of, of, of not shutting it down, but managing it so it's not, uh, so I can still, you know, be balanced in, in the everyday life. And how have you, how have you felt, again, I'll go back to the last couple of years, like what have you noticed personally for yourself this last couple of years as the emotional energy field of the world has clearly risen like for you know as you you mentioned fear um we've seen all kinds of reactivity we've also seen certain people opening their heart more opening their mind more seeing life very differently so it's been a real mishmash but the emotional energy field of the world has kind of got stronger how have you found yourself navigating that the last couple of years or, or are there things that you've learned because of that that are different yeah, there are two things I feel that I found to be important to myself. Number one is acceptance. It's anytime I resist or disagree with what's happening or how someone's feeling or whatever. And that's when I seem to get entangled with it energetically. Mm. But with that said, sometimes I do anyways. And that brings me to my second part is like discernment. I really had to become more discerning of where I go, where I 
put myself and just mindful of there are some environments that are just not conducive to my being present and happy. And I'm going to be wise and just not go there if possible. So I've luckily been able to arrange my reality and my life in a way to where primarily, I mean, I'm, you know, it's, it's, it's all, it's all kind of good in a sense, but with that said, especially with what's going on in the world, I find that the advice I give to like my clients, you know, I tell them that it's, it's, you know, whenever you're really upset about something or, or affected energetically, it's like, it's an opportunity to really have more compassion and more acceptance. And usually for me, I can become more free of whatever the drama is if I accept it. Isn't that the truth? You know, I, I can't remember when it was, maybe it was about three, four weeks ago. I had one of those periods where I want to say for about a day and a half, maybe two days, I was in total resistance to what I was experiencing and it was, it was painful and it was, and then at some point I remembered, like, I think it took a day and a half or two days and I suddenly remembered and it was like, okay. And then I, whatever was up in me as a shield just kind of moved out and then everything started to flow again. But it's, it's interesting the defenses that we learn to build uh, to, to kind of protect ourselves and, and, and the, the undoing of those is a, is a kind of constant cycling, isn't it? They keep, they keep changing and growing and evolving as we do. And I think as the world changes. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's a constant practice. I'm not always accepting everything in my life, but that's just like my go-to strategy. But yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a constantly, I feel like we just keep growing and we keep going deeper and deeper and deeper. And like you said, sometimes we'll, we'll get to something within ourselves that there's that reactionary kind of like defensiveness and then we remember, oh yeah, I need to like say okay to this as well. Mm -hmm. um, but it can it can spoil your week or a few days until you re realize that because sometimes we just don't want to feel what's what's really coming up for us, and it's totally understandable. It's not pleasant, but when we allow it, then it kind of can flow out more easily. Of course, yeah. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because I I like I think many people can get into that trap of thinking when I'm in that space. I can sometimes attribute to other people, oh, well, they're, oh, they're really doing this really well, or they're really getting through this. And then if I really ask them a question about how they're doing, they'll often say they're feeling the same way I am with something, but the illusion in my mind or the, the lonely mind that I learned to live with for so many years through my teenage years and my twenties, and you know, that still shows up for me and will still tell me a story about how I'm doing versus what I, how I think someone else is doing, when I actually ask that person a question, they will say something so similar to how I'm feeling. And it reminds me that we're all in more resonance than we think. Because for me, what happens, I notice is I can get very separate and fixed in those moments that I'm challenged by something. And as soon as I can let go of the separation and the, the fixed feeling, suddenly everything can start to harmonize again because I connect out rather than going into some small voice or part of my body or my trauma from the past that kind of comes up to tell another version of the story. Yeah, I find that especially with when it involves other people. I found that over the past couple of years, I have become more, more empathic, if you will, about anything unresolved within like a relationship. Even like my friend Aaron, we're like really close friends. And sometimes if there's like a, we can almost feel when there's something that needs to be discussed and we'll, we'll usually, you know, communicate around the same time. Like, let's just talk about this because we can literally both feel it and can't even like, can't shake it until we finally just bring ourselves to have that conversation, which needs to, 
to kind of bring to light whatever it is. But yeah, I, I relate with what you're saying there. It's nice to hear you describe it that way, because if I go back like 15, 15 years in, and perhaps even 10 years in my life in certain scenarios where the mind could be dominant over the feeling, you know, the, the story the mind is telling me about the feeling is, again, the shield or the defense against a person or something in a relationship. These days, it is easier for me to go, I feel off. And I'm going to start there. I'm going to start with something feels off in this dynamic. And if you if you do have that trust and that ability with the other person to communicate through it, Stephen and I do that. You know, if something comes up for us in our relationship, we'll say, I'm feeling this. I'm feeling a little off. Something's moving through me. You know, we'll own what's going on for us. And then we'll kind of work together to kind of get back to each other or to at least understand where the other one is coming from. I think... I think being able to identify something is off or amiss in the feeling and speak from the feeling rather than from how the mind wants to defend, interpret or fight the feeling or the other person that they're blaming for bringing this up. It's really powerful when you can do that with friends, partners, family members, anybody. Yeah. And just way more efficient. You, you cut right to the chase. It's not just like my defensive mind versus your defensive mind trying to come to some conclusion. It's like futile. It's not going to happen really. But if you can just be more self-aware and honest, this is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm really actually feeling. And then I also think when you communicate that way, it brings it, it's less, uh, less like confrontational. It's more like honest and open and from the heart and people I think also drop in as well. And just, you just get to have a, that heart to heart conversation sooner, if you will. Yeah. And it's such a relief when you can, when you can be in that kind of relationship with somebody and, and be able to speak from that place. Yeah. It's a blessing. I, I feel blessed. Yeah. Well, you mentioned Aaron and this is Aaron Doty. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Who is another fantastic YouTuber. He has so many videos out there on so many topics. So you work alone a lot, but you also work in collaboration with Aaron. What's that, what's that like to be able to bounce between doing your own work and then having this collaborative friendship, brotherhood, and also partnership where you work together. Yeah, it's awesome. It really is beautifully because even just being an entrepreneur, that in itself can be kind of lonely. Yes. Um, but like when me and him project with to partner up on things, we get to really share in that excitement of a success that really not a lot of people can really understand. Um, but it's also been very helpful because he'll we kind of like call each other out and we're just like, an, it's like another person we trust in our life that can just be an honest, objective, you know, in source of encouragement or source of like slap, slapping us with reality a little bit. So it just really helped us, I would say in that sense, but it, it's just fun. It's just fun to work with other people for a long time. It was just me and the YouTube camera, but then I started doing retreats and doing these other things with other people. And I realized there's such a, there is such a, a, a powerful experience you can create when it's just not one person, when there's other folks involved, there's like a synergy and, and it takes on a life of its own. It's also just be beautiful to be a part of that kind of a, a collaboration. It is. I think it's, it's just our nature, isn't it? Because I also love the collaborative energy. I mean, yes, like you, I'm sometimes out there on a camera by myself. But these days I work with a great team of people. And, the, you know, the relationship you have with Aaron is very much the relationship I have with Davor, who is my really my brother from another mother. He's in Slovenia and he and I make music together and have collaborated for almost, uh, I think it's like eight, nine years. And we have that level of pushing each other lovingly, sometimes 
a little tough on what the other one has done, but but between us, we create something richer and stronger. It's it's lovely to have that collaborative energy, especially if you're used to being alone or in a position of responsibility in some way or another. Yeah. And also just to have somebody that you can be your true self around. Like I can be like that with my wife, Patty, um, yeah. but, but to have a friend, like a, a buddy like, like that, it's, uh, it's, it's really cool. It's really, it's really a neat, neat. Uh, I feel like it's a blessing to have even one person in your life that you can just really be yourself around is just fantastic. Yeah. Well, one thing I'm wondering to ask you about, because I've heard this from lots of people that I've worked with over the years who've said, oh, I'd like to put some stuff out into the world. I'd, you know, whether it's, and at least days, a lot of people are doing it via video because video has become one of our pr more primary methods of communication. Certainly wasn't like that when I was growing up, you know, the only real videos you saw were on the television. Um, but one thing a lot of sensitive people or empathic people will often say to me is they'll say, well, I'm very psychically aware. So how can I handle it? If I put videos out on YouTube, how am I going to react? And how did you manage it? And you mentioned yourself, something that I also went through when I started doing the energy updates uh, a little over a decade ago now. I felt weird every time I would put a video out. It would I would feel weird for a day or two afterwards. I would feel off center. I wouldn't feel comfortable. I would feel I wasn't quite sure what was going on. And one thing my guide said is they said, you, you're reacting to the fact that a certain number of people are focusing on something that you have created and put out there. How have you noticed that journey of being able to share of yourself energetically, but at the same time, be able to retain some level of, of balance or the kind of boundary that's good for you, that perhaps the people who are watching or engaging your videos might not know you need or I'm just wondering how that has psychically been for you putting yourself putting pieces of yourself out into the world like that because that's often a sticking point for people to actually follow this compulsion they're hearing that they should do this but they that stops them yeah I think that vulnerability I think there's a vulnerability that comes along with doing anything really pure and artistic and creative, whether it's putting a video out or making a painting and then showing people. Um, and I think that is a challenge, but it's also that challenge is also a great way to, it's like a, an opportunity to grow and to evolve into like the, if you just do it, you might stress out a little bit, but you're going to adapt, of course, as we, we did. And in that adaptation, there's a lot of like authentic confidence and, and just like, just like, uh, self-acceptance there's many beautiful things that can come from the struggle that you're discussing that many people avoid and this i handled it very poorly for quite a long time i obsessed about what people were saying i'd get just devastated if someone didn't like the video and it wasn't this quick process but but it's led me to a place of yeah just more of an acceptance and and also what i would say to those people in particularly is that what what started to help me is to look at it like it's not about me even mm -hmm. if I freak out for a few days, if something I said helped uh, some, even like a handful of people or one person, I'm still going to do that again the next day because it's like the right thing to do. And there's a source of, there's a, there's like a, a sense of satisfaction you get from that. So I would say, don't let those nerves stop you. They'll help you grow. And it's like, if you can help other people, I feel like it's your obligation personally. Beautifully said. I, yeah, I so agree. And I, th I think, you know, for me personally, the few times that I thought about stopping doing this work 
for various reasons, like my own discomfort or, yeah, it was always people uh, and people saying, oh, that really helped me. That made me go, okay, get over yourself. You know, you can, you can get over yourself if that's, you know, because ultimately I think all of us want to help and reach out in whatever way, even the people I meet who don't really like humans, they're here for animals or they're here for nature. They want to connect and give of themselves in the way that they the way that they're here. So I do think there is something beautiful about extending yourself into that connection and seeing what, what can come from it that you, you actually have no idea is going to, is going to benefit you, even if there are some challenges for your ego or your emotions as you, as you walk into it. Yeah. Yeah. And it can be tough to see the results of your labor, you know, on like, on, on like the internet, but if like, if you probably had people come up to you that know you and stuff, when you really meet somebody that's like been impacted by you, that one, that one conversation can be like, holy cow, there are real people attached to these numbers on my computer screen that mm-hmm. are like be, really being benefited. And it's like, just, just takes one time, I think to really, that's what I remind myself. Anytime I get like uh, clammed up or nervous is like, there are people on the other side of the camera, Vic, just do your best buddy. Yeah. And, and, you know, what you just shared reminds me of something. I remember someone I worked with many years ago, who's now doing very well um, with the work that she's doing in the world in terms of how many people she's reaching. But I remember at the beginning and she wanted to reach a good number of people that was part of her intention. But at the beginning, I remember, you know, she'd be like, Oh, it's only had 50 views or only 50, 60 people read this blog. And you know, I just said, well, imagine 50 people in a room. That's a lot of people. Like, you know, if we were in a room full of 50 people, we'd be nervous to stand up in front of them and say something. So, you know, don't, don't get too, don't buy into those numbers too much um, because it's very easy to, you know, see more numbers as better. It's like, just actually think of each person as, as who you're impacting. And that's really important. Yeah. It's funny. Cause I see the exact same thing. I say, imagine there's 50 people outside of your house right now here to see you. That's a lot of people. You know, it's yeah. a big impact right there. And yeah, that's not that many in terms of like social media account. Anybody can get to 50 subscribers pretty quickly, uh, but it's a lot of people. Yeah. And by the way, it's funny because when you just said that, I imagined there were 50 people outside my house and part of my body went <gasps> like that. So I also just want to remind, you know, people that it's, it's normal. It doesn't just because you're nervous about putting a video out you know mo- not not many of us will go oh great there's 300 people i'm going to run into that crowd i do yeah. know some people like that and i think it's brilliant i'm always so in awe but most of us especially if you're a bit sensitive that that can be a bit intimidating so it's quite normal as you said it's like if you show someone a painting you've done uh there is there is this sharing of yourself that you have to you kind of have to just I think you get a new relationship with that when you commit yourself to putting yourself out there, or if you're doing it in your local community and you willing to be the community leader for something that's going on between 20 of you, that that's another level of putting yourself out there. So I think the numbers are are all really relative. Yeah. Yeah. In my own experience, there's always, there's always some, you know, I always find myself being called to step yet again, outside of my comfort zone, whether it's with YouTube, you know, you become comfortable there, then it's like, well, do this thing, do a podcast or whatever. And there's always something to draw us outside of ourselves like that. And it is always uncomfortable. And I think a lot of people, unfortunately, they don't do anything. They avoid, they avoid all of that. But even though it's uncomfortable and it still is for me at times, it's like it, it, it opens you up to a depth and a richness of life that I think cannot be had from the safety of your little bubble. 
Um, so what I would say to your, your, your viewers is like, just from another, another influencer is that, yeah, I still feel that way sometimes, but I've learned to just accept it as part of the journey and see it as just, it's still worth it to go forward anyways. Yeah. And I can relate to that too, completely. There's always the next thing to slightly, slightly scare you. Um, so do you have a sense of your next year or so, or do you feel completely open to the mystery of what's going to come or, or are there, are there personal things that you're looking to call in or experience right now or work creations that you're looking to call in or experience? I know all creators are different. Some just go with the flow. Some are kind of working on things. And I'm wondering what, what, what it looks like for you in the next year, for example. Yeah, for me, I am looking, one of the things I'm, that's been kind of a shift for me is now one of the things that me and Aaron do is we actually help, we coach people who are trying to do what you said, like go, go get online and create an online following and an online business. So that's one of the things I find myself getting a lot of, it's very rewarding for me to do is help find the people who are on the fence and like actually help them and work with them. So that's become a big part of like my career, you could say. Um, but on a personal level, I'm at a point where for a long time, I had these goals of how I wanted my life to look. And as of like the last year, it's become pretty much what I wanted be and beyond that. And I'm realizing that it's, there's more that it's doesn't it's I realize that there's a depth of happiness I, I long for that I'm not going to get from a comp climbing another mountain. So mm -hmm. for me, it's it's a my time is kind of freed up a lot. And there's a temptation to start a new project. But I feel for me at this time, it's like going to be just a, delaying the inevitable. It's a distraction. And I think for me, it's a time of like just being more just sitting outside and staring off at the nature for like a half hour without doing anything. And that's a challenge for me. But that's kind of where what's been kind of happening in my life. Hmm. I love that. And I, and I relate to it's, it's interesting when you get to a point where you realize you've, I won't even say ticked off all the boxes because a lot of the boxes weren't things that you perhaps were driving for or, or thinking would happen, but it, it, I've found there's, there's, there's another round of personal healing that, that, yes. that, that kind of can now happen and, and it is happening. I'm like, Oh, this is interesting. I'm, I'm now in a slightly different position. And so other layers are kind of moving through. And, and, and as you said, you know, the, the challenging to repattern yourself around certain behaviors is also something I've really been, I won't even say working on, but highly aware of in the last three or four months. So like you said, going and sitting outside and just looking at the trees. And that's always that that level of being is something that I don't think we talk about enough in our society. And I do think it's very easy to transpose that whole achievement culture into your spirituality as well whether you're doing this for work or whether you're just you know going to the next workshop with the goal of getting rid of this or overcoming this or achieving this it's like that kind of goal orientation um it's interesting you're not the first person i've been speaking to lately where some of that's moving out so i i feel like there's a bit of a paradigm shift in our culture around that right now too which is good to see yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of it has to do with just really opening up our hearts. I think that's, I think personally, that's like a big source of at least my, you know, you know, unhealthy habits and behaviors. I think it's coming from like a, a feeling of being truly afraid to really like open up and love fully because there's such a risk with that. And that leads to me being restless and goal oriented and this and that. Um, so yeah, that's, it's been a very, yeah, I, I relate with what you're saying basically. Is it easier for you to love or be loved? 
I think on some level, both are hard for me at times, honestly, there's, I think there's degrees. And uh, I had this experience a, a while back when I was taking this breathwork certification program. And we were, there was, I was with a partner and we were told to take turns. And what we were practicing is being nurturing to one another, because sometimes during breathwork, people start crying and we were practicing being nurturing. When this person was being nurturing to me, I could feel my body like, like just clench up. Like I was refusing the, the goodwill and the good intention of this person. So that's, that's like part of it as well for me. That's but cool. at the same time, I feel with my wife there sometimes as of recently, in fact, that she's, I could tell she's been wanting more, more Victor, more my love. But I also as well has become, become aware that, you know what, there's some unresolved like relationship issues from my past that are causing me to not love fully because I perceive it as a risk. So I have both, unfortunately. <laughs> right. And, and how long have you guys been together now? Uh, about 15, married for 15 years together about 17 or so years wow congratulations Thanks. so we're, we're we're seven years in and we're no we're almost seven years and we're noticing seven you know kind of people talk about the the six to eight year period like you start to renegotiate different things and and we're noticing that at the moment so that's uh, that's interesting to interesting to hear where you guys are at where you know you're further along the path in that way um yeah yeah no thank it's, you it's like life it's just it's always there's, it's, it's, I don't think it's like you get to a sweet spot in your relationship and you're good because you're totally. both always changing. And it's just, there's a renegotiate, a good way to put it, renegotiating. So yeah, good yeah. for you. No, and thank you for sharing that about the, the, the breath work exercise. It's interesting for me. I would, for me, for sure, it's being loved. Loving is easier for me than being loved. And I, it's not even that I have like a huge problem with it, but I notice, I kind of notice that, uh, that paradigm in myself. So Maybe I'll go to a breathwork workshop, uh, Victor. <laughs> there you go. That will be what I what I look at next. But Victor, thank you so much for today. It's been it's been really lovely to meet you after admiring you and your work for many years out there, and just to have this conversation. So, thank you for for coming onto the show and, and sharing yourself. You're welcome, Lee. It really is an honor to be on here with you, and I admire the work you've been doing and just the impact you're having. And I've also really just enjoyed our conversation together. It's been really, really fun for me and interesting. And just want to thank you. I had a great time. I don't do a lot of like interviews, but once I saw your message, I was like, Lee Harris, yes, let's do it. Oh, thank you, thank you. And for anybody who has tuned into today's show and is new to Victor, you can go to Victor's website, awakeninghelp.com. And not only will you there find links to his YouTube channel, you'll see all of his work and all of his different offerings. And there's a wealth of great material that Victor has put out there. So um, if you've resonated with any of this conversation today, I urge you to go and check him out. And also Aaron, who you work with is also wonderful. So um yeah, thank you so much, Victor, for being here. And um, to everyone who has tuned in, um, lots of love. And we will see you next time on Impact the World. Hello, I'm Lee. I'm an intuitive, a channeler. And for the last 18 years, I have been guiding people with their energy and their spirituality. I have been a lifelong student of boundaries. And I think most of us are. Boundaries used to mean to me putting a line between me and someone else or saying no. And I understand the need for that aspect of boundaries. It's important. And to learn how to do that in a skilled, compassionate, heartfelt way is a practice and takes time. But the other side of boundaries is that it actually increases our connection to have boundaries. 
So the people that we're connected to in life and those relationships can become richer when we know where our lines are and equally when we are able to respect their boundaries and to know what they might need. So in my masterclass on boundaries, we're going to take a full 360 look at boundaries, not just the boundaries that you are perhaps needing to create in your outside world, but also how are we dealing with our inner world? Do we have boundaries around our time, our choices, the things that we're giving our attention to? Self-care and boundaries go hand in hand. When you sign up for the class, you will immediately receive a full channeled recording called Boundaries and Connection. This is something where my guides talk about the energetics of boundaries and how they're playing out in our life all of the time. I'm choosing to deliver boundaries live so that if you want to be with me for the live event, you can. I will be breaking up each module and building in some short breaks so that you have time and space to integrate throughout the class. And then you will have lifetime access to all of the material. We will be organizing the material in a very user-friendly way. So you'll be able to dip into sections and worksheets and use it as a refresher or a primer as you go along with your boundaries journey after you have experienced the class. If you feel this is for you, but you know you can't make the live date, if you sign up, you will receive the replay within 48 hours of the broadcast and you will have access to it, to go through it at your own pace, in your own way. Boundaries has been one of the key game changers for my life, and I learned boundaries in a very resistant way. Like many, I thought that you shouldn't have boundaries, that if you really wanted to be open and connect with everybody, it, it wasn't good to have boundaries. And I learned the hard way that you can have boundaries that actually support deeper connection with others. It's a lot less chaotic, it's a little bit less painful, and so I'm going to share some of not only what I have learned with you over the years, but also having worked with people all over the world for the last 18 years on this theme and this topic, I wanted to give you an opportunity to take a deep dive into it in a way that can empower you for your life and for all of the connections that you're gonna have in your life going forward.